Welcome to the fourth season of Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. This is Anne-Marie Zanzel, your host, and I am so excited to share some changes to our podcast that are really great, and I think you'll be as excited as I am about it. First of all, we will be dropping a new podcast every other Friday. This is at the request of our listeners who wanted to hear more. Secondly, my producer, Barb Rowlandson, will be joining me as a conversation partner as we discuss things coming out. Barb is a fellow Leighton Lifer and also the mom of a queer kid, and so she has a lot of insight and experience to share with us. And thirdly, we're going to be focusing also on the beyond. Love to hear your coming out stories, but I want to hear the beyond. Sometimes magical things happen when we come out and we have a life that we could have never imagined. Many of us say this is the best thing that we've ever done. So let's get started. Welcome to the show. Tell me your story. Hi, I would love to welcome Jennifer Boudreau today. She is the founder of Parent with Care LLC, which she helps parents of LGBTQ plus youth, teens, and young adults to understand, connect with, and celebrate their kiddos through one-on-one and group coaching workshops and presentations. Jennifer brings a myriad of experiences to her coaching. She is the Safe Zone Trained Gender and Sexuality Alliance, GSA, facility, faculty advisor, a certified coach through the, how do you say it, JI Institute? JI, yeah. Yep. A certified coach through the Jai Institute for Parenting, the Education Director for Equality London and LGBTQ plus advocacy nonprofit in Loudoun County, Virginia, excuse me, it's Equality Loudoun, and she facilitates a parent support group for the Ryan Bartell Foundation, a nonprofit working to end teen suicide. As the founder of Parent with Care, Jennifer is committed to helping parents develop and implement compassion, awareness, respect, and empathy in their parenting. She enjoys, most enjoys supporting parents through the turbulent teen years, but she recognizes that if her parents had the necessary tools, she might not have had such a hellion in her teens. Jennifer is the parent of three adult children, one of whom is bisexual and the bonus parent to a transgender man who is dad to an adorable one-year-old. She has unique personal experience, perspective, and an understanding of parents of LGBTQ plus youth and the paths they take alongside their kids' journey. Jennifer lives in North Virginia, close enough to DC to enjoy all of it has to offer, but far enough away to escape most of the traffic. When she's not researching, writing, or coaching parents, Jennifer recharges by going to concerts or mindlessly scrolling in search of the perfect house with gorgeous mountain views and a welcoming front porch swing. Welcome, Jennifer. It is so nice to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation. Me too. Um, And by the way, that would be my dream house too. (laughs) So tell me, Jennifer, I ask all my guests. So tell me your story. Yeah. So it's a long story. So I'm going to make it as short as possible. 
Um, way back in the beginning when I had children, um, I realized that I wanted to parent differently than my kids, than my parents did. Mm -hmm. um, they essentially stopped parenting me at 10 when they divorced. So flash forward, I had taken all kinds of coursework and all of that around child psych and yada, yada. Um, and I had three kids pretty close together. My girls are 16 months apart. And then my son, and I realized I had no idea what I was doing. So parenting classes, mom's groups, all the support possible. I, in 1996, like at the beginning of the internet, um, I had started uh, hosting and producing a radio talk show um, that was focused on parenting issues. So it was my first opportunity to really serve parents. Flash forward again, I uh, became a school librarian because I wanted to work with uh, the same schedule as my kids had. So I worked as a school librarian for 17 plus years, um, four of which I was the director of library programs for DC public schools. And I got to a point where I'm like, oh, next chapter, ready to figure out the thing. Um, and I had also, and after I did the radio show, I had created an internet resource directory for families in Montgomery County, Maryland. So I kept that going for a while. So I'm sitting here, you know, next chapter of life. What do I, what have I always been passionate about? And my, the last few years of working as a school librarian, I became really involved with um, LGBTQ plus advocacy and a lot of um, DEIB work. And so those, those issues are very, very uh, important to me, not just as the parent of, and bonus parent of queer people, mm -hmm. but seeing kids. And, and I'd spent a lot of time working with parents whose kids were coming out or who were transitioning, who were just like, I don't know what this is. And, you know, helping to bridge the gaps of understanding. So I realized that the thing that I really enjoy doing was working with parents to help them understand their kids. So I went and got a certification in parent coaching and Jai's focus is peaceful parenting. Mm -hmm. And so all of the things kind of work together. So here I am now working to help parents. And I really do believe that the only way we're going to save the world and, you know, make it a truly safe space for the queer community is starting with parents, getting them to understand so that we can provide truly safe spaces for kids. Wow, that is incredibly interesting, and especially the the, the beginning of the internet. And um, I would really love to ask you about all the book banning right now, but we're oh. not going to focus on your library. Do path. another one. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to chat about that. Oh. They are feisty people. Don't ever cross a librarian because do not. They, do not. So tell me about how how did why like first of all, I'm really curious. What is your typical parent that reaches out to you? Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so typical parent is someone who believes that they're an ally, mm -hmm. um, believe that they were going to be open and supportive no matter what, and then the reality hit home and they're terrified or they're terrified of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, or they want to be supportive, but they don't understand Sometimes we have to start with basic terminology, right? What is LGBTQIA? Mm -hmm. What all of that? What does all of that mean? Separating the difference between gender expression, gender identity, sexual orientation, getting them to really connect with the fact that the kid that they have is still the kid they have always had. They just have new information. And so how does that shift? So the process that we go through is compassion is the desire to help. Right. And as parents, we always want to fix. 
We always want to see, we want to protect our kids, but it's coming from our perspective, right? So compassionate parenting is really about what's best for your kid and what your kid needs. Uh, then the awareness piece is all of the education. The respect is understanding that there are boundaries, that you and your child are on a different paths for this same journey. And your kid gets to be the leader. And that's hard for a lot of parents. And then the empathy piece is really the fact that as a cisgender heterosexual woman, I am never going to understand what it is to be queer. And I don't have to understand it. I just have to be able to sit with people who are struggling. And my role as an ally is to take the arrows and then step aside and amplify the person's voice behind me so that they're next to me. So when a parent comes to you and they, they think that they're an ally, um, I would really like to talk about what you mean by that, because I, mm -hmm. I understand what you mean. Um, I like before I came out, um, I thought I was a huge, I always I defined myself as an ally and I was to a certain extent, but I got a lot of things wrong. And um, what, what do you, like when your parents come to you, like what, and what really is interesting to me is with working with people coming out later in life. And so later in life is self-defined. So my mm -hmm. youngest clients are 25. I mean, so, you know, and I have people 75 plus, but a lot of them are very surprised that their very progressive parents are having a hard time. So mm -hmm. can you talk more about that? So I think, you know, I, I talk a lot about when, as soon as you find out that you're having a child coming into your world, whether it's, you know, you're giving birth or having, adopting a child, you automatically have an, a vision of who and what that child is going to be, right. right? And especially in our very, very heteronormative, binary gendered world, we think this is what it's going to be. Um, and I often tell the story of... Uh, friend who was, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to let it out there. This is my bonus son, um, who is trans and his wife is cis and they were pregnant and got the sonogram one day and was, oh, it's a boy. And I literally, my first thought was, is it? <laughs> did you say it out loud? I did. Oh, good so for I, you. Sometimes I don't filter. So we had a conversation. It's like, yeah, you're having a child with a penis. It might be a boy. But like you of all people, you know, he transitioned at 25, 26. Mm -hmm. We know better, right? But it's so incredibly ingrained in us. Well, and so, yeah, and it's conditioned, right? I mean, yeah, you, you see, a, you, you know, you as a new parent, you see a penis on an ultrasound. You say, mm -hmm. oh, it's a boy, you know. Boy. And, and yeah. then all of your your visions of boyness are, are what they are. And so I think parenting, regardless of whether we're dealing with a kid who is queer or not, the hardest thing about parenting is letting go and realizing that this person is an actual unique individual unto themselves oh, and yeah. they get to decide who they're going to be. Um, and so it really is, it's parents who are progressive. They might've been supporting, you know, they might be out there with at the pride parades and supporting and doing all of that. But then when it comes home, it's mm, what? personal. It's personal. personal. And I, yeah. you know, and I also tell the story of my son, I, I knew was gay. Mm -hmm. uh, in college, he came out as bi and I am of the era of pick a team. I didn't right. understand bi, right? And so I had to learn and, and get to know it. And mm -hmm. as your understanding grows, then you can, can truly be that ally. 
-hmm. The other piece I do deal with often is people who are more resistant coming from a, a faith background. Um, and so that's another place where we have to work through and, you know, get to the point of reality, um, especially for Christianity, which is love, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And well, and how do you work with those people that are coming from a more faith based objective or perceived faith based objective to yeah. being LGBTQ? I always come at it with the approach of help me understand. Okay. What messages did you get? When did you first find out someone that queer people existed? And mm -hmm. how, how did you find that out? What was the messaging behind that? Mm -hmm. And then we sort of just deconstruct it, right? And then mm -hmm. looking at their own child, who who is this person that you have raised that you love? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when... Uh... When parents come with to you now, which it's, it, you know, my wife came out in 1985. So, you know, and so she was an old Southern Baptist girl. She's from the South. And she, you know, she said they were like, you know, you can't be gay when I was growing up, but it's not like it is now. In which, you know, people's own more, their people's own, um, uh, existential life or their own, you know, they're, they will go to hell if they accept their gay children, which sometimes they get in um, uh, the churches that they are in. How do you deconstruct that? Sometimes I have to put the religious perspective in another place. And mm -hmm. I go to the really real realities of mental health mm -hmm. and safety. Mm -hmm. And it's if you want your kid to be safe and you want them to stay alive in this world, this mm -hmm. is what has to happen. Mm -hmm. When you talked about boundaries before, can you say a little bit more about that and what you meant about yeah. that? I think um, a couple of different things come up often. One is parents that want to emote and feel all of their feelings and feel them and express them with their child. Mm -hmm. or ask all of the information from their child and understanding that the boundary has to be, you can get your education elsewhere. We can get all of the information, come to a coach, right? Um, we can help you get all of that that you need. And also all of your feelings are completely valid because they're your feelings and feelings are valid. However, your child is not the person to carry that burden. Absolutely ever. not. And ever. Yeah, I've I've worked in um, you know with trans people, and I've been in trans Facebook groups and stuff like that. And um, one of the things I hear most, even if you know the child's thirty five when they're coming out, they cannot carry the emotional they cannot yeah. carry the emotional burden. Absolutely. Of, of your parents, so for example, a lot of times trans parent people, trans individuals will often grieve that child very, very intensely because they, you know, they thought they were going to have a daughter their entire lives. And in fact, they have a son. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of times too, what I have found, I have a non-binary and slash trans child. And um, it's, it's what I have found. It, it, it's a grief of like, there's a loss there, but they were not the person that I could talk to about that. Luckily, I knew enough not to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Because people don't understand. 
You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to find other mothers or fathers of trans children to understand because like, so for example, now when people ask me how many children I have, I used to say um, two girls, two boys. And now I say I have a one daughter, one non-binary child, children, one child, one non-binary child and two sons. And so my language has changed and, and, and it is, um, and also like, and, you know, gendering my child when I should, I gendering them the wrong way because they use they, them pronouns and I'm used to using their other pronouns mm-hmm. before, you know, before they um, came out as non-binary. It has been, it is like, I have a, first of all, I understand as a parent myself and um, it is, um, but there's some grief to it that people don't understand. And unless you can find a community that gets it or a coach that gets it, people don't get yeah. it. Yeah, they don't. They yeah. don't. And it's and again, it's one of those things where it, it is you are now part of a different community mm-hmm. and you have to seek that. And I think there are some amazingly wonderful, supportive online groups that people can join and in-person groups. The difference with the coaching is sometimes it's I need help with my specifics, right? Dedicated time, dedicated action. And that's why it works. The other place that I find people need to understand respect is that, again, your child gets to lead through this. And so let's say you are to a point where you are so excited, you are really ready to celebrate the world and, and let everyone know, but your kid is not. That means you don't get to share it, period, until they're ready. Right. right. You can't so, out your child if they're not ready to be. Exactly. Share this news. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things, you know, I watch TV shows all the time. And, you know, one of the <laughs> things that like, I, I that like makes me cringe now when I hear, you know, see somebody come out to mom and dad on a TV show and, and the parent says, um, you know, I will love you no matter what. And, and things like that. And because, and, and I know you understand why I cringe, but Mm -hmm. what, what are some of the things you should and shouldn't say? (laughs) And there's also like, so we're talking about also very different coming outs too, because the LGBTQIA plus community is, 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 is very large and very diverse. So a child coming out as um, lesbian is very different than someone who's coming out as trans, who's different than someone that's coming out as non-binary, as different than as someone who's coming out as bisexual. So and like and plus, if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know any of those terms, it literally is overwhelming because honestly, you know, you're entering into a new world that most of us who have lived in a compulsory heterosexual society don't know much about. Yeah. And, and so here you are, your kids entering this new world and they're using language that you've never heard before. Um, what are your, some, do you, do you do do's and don'ts or do you say it, phrase it something, something else? I, can't- I, I mean, we, we, we kind of work it in. Right. But your first example is just, I love you. Mm-hmm. that's it no buts no it you know no matter what like I love you mm-hmm. the other thing I think that parents need to do is thank you mm-hmm. thank you for trusting me enough mm-hmm. to tell me right a lot of parents start to get 
I, you know, I, I've been so open. I can't believe they didn't tell me, you know, all this time. Da, da, da. They've known since they were four and now they're 17. And okay, you didn't know, right? We can look back and kind of see some of the messaging, why the kid didn't feel safe, or maybe the kid didn't really know, right? Like that, none of those things matter. Here you are right now with your child. Mm -hmm. You love your kid. So I love you. Thank you. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. because they just might need you to listen. They might need you to share with their other parent on their behalf. You know, they may need you to run interference at school. So find out what they need and mm-hmm. just listen, right? Then I also get into parents want to know details about things that are none of their business, really, you know? And I... I I understand where the questioning comes in um, Mm -hmm. and the curiosity comes in, but I think you need to be able to accept that this is, again, a private journey that your child is on and you don't get to know all the things. And so you can ask open-ended questions. I'm curious to know, tell me more about, help me understand. But then that's the respect piece also where is the, you know, if the kid isn't wanting to share certain things. Well, it's the boundary piece too. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think a lot of times too, it's curiosity, you know, human Mm -hmm. curiosity. Um, Mm -hmm. We know what happens. Like if, you know, I mean, if you're, if you identify as straight or you did at some point, we sort of know what happens in those relationships. So we don't ask questions about that but exactly. a lot of times parents don't under don't know what happens in queer relationships and so they ask just out of curiosity and i really love the point you made jennifer because um sometimes you know first of all the advice you gave you know thank i love you thank you how can i support you is universal whether somebody your best whether your child's telling you or your best female friend is telling you you know, that she's like, thinks she might be a lesbian, you know, Mm -hmm. I think those, that's a, I'm going to steal that. And I'm going to use that. (laughs) The more of us that are doing it, the better. Yeah. I love it. It's a real universal truth. You know, I love you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What, how can I support you? Um, but one of the questions I, I, I have, which is really, you can answer this or not answer this. This was like something that happened with myself and other people I know. When your child identifies as lesbian or gay and they want to have a guy friend over or a girlfriend <laughs> over, yeah. what's your advice for that? Because <laughs> I have been in those circumstances and I'm like, okay, like I know what to yeah. do. If it's yeah. And you like, what have you, what have you told parents? I'm really curious about that. So the first thing that I say is, okay, so now, you know, your kid is queer. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They were queer before you knew. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So they've been having sleepovers and mm-hmm. you didn't know, but now, you know, so you have to change the rules. Perhaps this is where people have to really dig deep and figure out why they have the rules that they have. Right. So I think people get very hung up on heterosexual couples as teenagers shouldn't be sleeping together because, oh my God, they might get pregnant. Pregnant. So if pregnancy is not the issue, then what is the issue? And I think it's a really great opportunity for parents to have very open, honest conversations about their values Mm -hmm. and the reality that sex 
and intimate contact has so much more to do with the possible pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. And figure out where you fit as a family. There is no one rule, right? Right. There's no one size fits all. There's no one size fits all. What I will say is be consistent, right? If you're not going to let your heterosexual child have their significant person sleep over, then the same goes for your queer kid because that's just the rule for the family. And it's um, also fair for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> got to be equitable. And, but, you know, it, it's, it really does come down to family values, but understand why you have those values. It's an opportunity to question, like, why, why do I care about this? And not saying you shouldn't, I am by no, by no means saying, let them all sleep together that because there's a lot of emotional stuff going on, but real, you know, again, hopefully you're having those conversations period, because if they're going to do it, they're going to do it yeah, with or without your permission. Right. Yeah. So having those conversations about consent and respect, right. So if you decide that within your family structure, it's going to be fine for let's have a group sleepover, but everybody's going to be in the same open space. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be walking through repeatedly. And if I see, you know, sleeping bags zipped together, I'm going to unzip them and that's going to be awkward for you. So perhaps don't do that. Right. Then no, lay, lay down the rules and make sure they know what the consequences are going to be. But then really, truly be able to have the conversation and about consent. And again, respect, like respect the fact that you are in a family home. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to necessarily hear that. <laughs> so I'm like, you're my kid. Um, so, you know, it's respect again, both ways. And I, but I really, I think it's a great opportunity for parents to have open conversations about values. So when parents come to you, they're often just really seeking guidance then. So when should a parent seek your support? As soon as they go, what is this? Truly, you know, even if you if you have suspicion that your kid might be coming out, or if you just want to understand what this is in preparation for, or your kid has come out and you don't know what that is going to mean for them, right? I always I say I take people from a place of fear, confusion, perhaps sadness, and help them shift to become affirming, vocal allies mm-hmm. for their kids, and then. You know, so we get through the the what you're you know the the grieving piece through all of the feelings and they understand it. How do you really advocate for your kid? Like what? Sometimes we're working around. You know, this situation is happening at school. What can we do here? How can I? You know, what information do you need? Um, it's you know I, I was working with someone who had older children and wanted to ask questions. So I'm like, okay, let's reframe. Let's let's frame these in a way that that are going to be respectful. Um, or, you know, another parent is not going to be supportive. So Mm -hmm. how do we, how do you divide and conquer as a, as an adult? How do you compartmentalize so that you can support your kid while you're dealing with the other relationships that you have? So it's a lot of problem solving. So as we both know, um, our chance, our trans children are taking such an enormous, hit lately and my heart goes out to trans families um I don't know I just want to say that I love them so much and I am I am so grieved that 
our government, that governments are trying to get between a child and their doctor and a child and their mom and dad or their parents, because not everybody has a mom and dad. Some people have moms, some people has dads. <laughs> some people have non-binary folks, um, but they're, 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 um, they're caretakers who love them. And so what if a parent just realizes that their child is transgender? Because not everybody figures it out when they're four. Sometimes, you know, kids are 16, 17, sometimes they're 35. Um, what kind of advice, especially in the climate that we're dealing with right now, do you give to your trans parents that come your way? Understanding that the fear is legitimate. It is legitimate. It is 100% legitimate. And so this is where sometimes the, libra the, the uh, library ending comes in. <laughs> so, like I will help them find resources in their local area because I work with people all over the country. Um, where can we get safe places for mm -hmm. them, safe people to, for them to talk to? Um, it's not always there, right? So what is, what is the plan? What is going to keep your kiddos safe and allow them to be who they are? And again, that's going to be a very personal journey for each family. Some families may have to move. Mm -hmm. Some families may have to, you know, figure out how to keep it under the radar and still support their kid, but have to do things to keep them safe, right? And it's depending on the age of the child, you know, you may have to be able to explain to them, listen, I am terrified for you, you know, or in, in certain states now, parents can go to jail if, mm -hmm. you know, they can lose their kids. So it's real. Um I, you know, it's a lot of listening too, and being emp that empathetic partner mm -hmm. and it, because it's real. And I, I cannot emphasize enough the value and the need for people to get involved politically, especially those of us with the privilege of being cisgender and heterosexual. That is, we, we have to vote. We have to be out there because um, it is beyond egregious and horrifying. So there's not always a lot that I can do other than listen and provide resources and information. So one thing I would love for you to do, Jen, when we're done with this is if we can, maybe I'm sure your website has all these resources and stuff at that we make sure, I don't know if it's on our little form you filled out, but um, if I would love to connect with you and have those resources, oh, yeah. especially for our parents who may be listening to the show and realize that they have a, that they have a trans child or may suspect they might have a trans child because a yeah. lot of times moms and dads know sometimes before the kids know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, it could be also that the parents that you're working with or the, the, the people that you're working with whose parents are still not understanding, right? That's right. no. Yeah. We work so. with the people coming out, I'll work with their parents. <laughs> well, and we get everybody on board. <laughs> well, and you know, sometimes it's one and the same, you know, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I've, I have heard of um, queer couples rejecting a trans child, which like blows my mind to no end. Oh. I always say like, so I've got, you know, I have the bi-gender child, bi that the bisexual child and the transgender child. And it's like, I've got both of the, the most extreme, um, extremely marginalized letters under the, the rainbow. And mm -hmm. it's, it's real. I mean, they both have dealt with a lot of, a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. Well, for, yeah. And 
for those of us, I mean, for those of you who are listening, I mean, by like for bisexual, bisexuals are the invisible letter and the LGBT T's are a little bit more prominent now than they used to be. Yeah. But bis are bisexuals are like there is something called in the queer community called bi invisibility, and it is it is a real thing, and mm-hmm. so and oftentimes too by men and by women will get rejected by lesbians and gay men because of a whole host of reasons which we don't have to go yeah. into right now but basically people are afraid and yeah. so it's it's a real thing and so um there's even you know it's so funny because they think a lot of times people think that the queer community is a monolith but we're not at all we have no agenda no agenda whatsoever <laughs> Just trying to joy. get life and be real, be yeah, joy and maybe be happy. Able to live, fall in love, you know, raise our children the way we want to, and yeah. for our trans brothers and sisters and non-binary folks to have them be able to live their lives how they were created to be. Yeah. That's really our agenda. That's about That's it. it. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> and the other thing is that once once I, I it's interesting because I you know my my niche is parents of LGBTQ plus kids teens, young adults. But then once we get through that piece, it's like, oh, right. You still have to parent this kid. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. We we then are like, okay, it's yes. And right. We beyond seeing who they are. So at the end of this show, I always ask people what their coming out song is. And (laughs) I am curious, mama, do you have any coming out things or do you have any coming out? This is, I just thought of this. Do you have any coming out songs for your bi and trans kids? (laughs) um I'd have to think about that one for a while okay I won't put you on the spot (laughs) mine is um Red Dress by Maya Sharp Mm -hmm. who is an amazing indie artist and uh you gotta look listen to the lyrics very carefully and you'll hear um you know my rebellious teenage self Mm -hmm. (laughs) gesturing to the to society and I also asked, do you have like a favorite book or movie that you watched or so, read and it just sort of changed your perspective on everything or like really yeah. opened your eyes? This is a hard one for me because as having been a school librarian, I read so much, um, especially, you know, young adult literature. So I, I really have a hard time identifying one, um, but I will say, you know, when I started out as a school librarian, there were no books mm-hmm. around, you know, LGBTQ people. And when I left, literally, we couldn't buy a book that didn't have a queer character. Um, and so that art, I think, was has really was it's more the arc of the genres that changed me and my perspective and seeing the kids needing desperately and being able to buy all of the books that they needed. Um, were you... Were you already, did you know your child was gay at that time? No, you, yeah. 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 So, yeah. What's your favorite young adult queer book? Oh. I know. I can't, I can't. Yes. I, there are literally a million titles flying through my head. So I'm not, I can't, I can't pick can't one. Pick, it's like asking me to pick what kid is the favorite. Right? Yes. You're like, I can't do that, Anne-Marie. What are you, crazy? There's so many, so many. You know, can I tell you something really interesting? Some of my later in life lesbians that are like in their 50s and 60s, 
have read queer young adult novels and it has been so helpful for them. Oh, yeah. There was one that one of my clients that was like in her mid sixties read, it was about um, two girls coming of age, like in the late fifties, early sixties and one, you know, and which was the, well, I guess she would be a little younger. It, I mean, she's a little younger than that, but it, it really resonated with her because mm -hmm. she had a girlfriend all through high school and college, the same person, but they never ended up together because you know, they just didn't think they could. She came from a oh. Catholic background and the girl ended up, both got married to men, but she ended up coming out later in life. And so that book, I have to figure out what it was, but it deeply, deeply resonated with her. I oh, know. Yeah. 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 There's so much. They're real. And I, I love reading young adult stuff, even though I'm not a school librarian anymore. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is when I was a young adult, they didn't like, you know, you know, I know, you know, that, um, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret is out now. And are you going to go yeah. see that? Because that was like something I read when I was <laughs> yep. that age. Um, but like, they didn't have those novels. So like, for me, I really have to go, I'm just going to go to the band book list for like Alabama or Tennessee. Yeah. Or read all those. All of those. All of those. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How do you describe your life today now that you've done your pivot and you're working with people who need, really need your help? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm finally in a place where I am actually able to make an impact that mm -hmm. is going to, you know, have a larger impact. I mean, being a school librarian was, was wonderful. Raising three amazing kids was wonderful. Um, but this is something that is, it's sort of, yeah, I have a, my life philosophy is everything happens when, and as it should. Yeah, and it I does. feel like, right now, this is what I need to be doing. Um, so it's really, really satisfying um, when I am able to literally change people's lives um, by just helping them love their kid and understand their kid and knowing that that is going to change, that's going to resonate for generations. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It will resonate for generations. Well, Jennifer from Parent with Care, thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, I really you. enjoyed this conversation. And in our show notes today, we will have how you can reach Jennifer if she sounds like somebody you need to contact and maybe get some of the um, lists you talked about and, you know, like for the groups, because really, yeah. if you are a, tr a trans parent or a queer parent of children right now and finding community of other people. And people always mention PFLAG, which is a great organization, but there's a lot of other ones out there. And it's really nice to connect with other parents who yeah. understand it. If you, and no shame, <laughs> no shame, and just go connect with other parents who understand. Absolutely. It is life-giving. It truly is. Yeah. So, all right, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA plus stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at annemariezanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.